0: Our family today. All right, ready to study the scriptures? Come on, get your Bibles out and let's uh, turn to Matthew chapter fourteen, Matthew fourteen verse twenty-two. As you may know, we've been in a series over the last three weeks called DNA. DNA is something that makes a person unique, and we're uh, applying it to our church and we're asking the question: What is it that? What is the DNA of one chapel? What is the DNA of our church? And what is God? trying to do with us when he created us, what, it, what was in his heart, what was in his mind, what was his purpose. And so as we as we continue that series, this will be kind of the, the final week in the series. We've looked at presence, God's presence that lives in people individually and in our church. We've looked at relationships, how all ministry, all kingdom travels through the, the pathway of relationships and people relating to one another. God puts us in a family. He puts us in a community. And then last week, of course, uh, Pastor Russ talked us through mission and really getting God's heart in us for our city and for our community and being, being willing to lay down our lives for others. And this week, we're going to talk about vision. We're going we're to talk about the pra- practical vision of what God is calling one chapel to do over the next 10 years. And so I, I want to give you a, a snapshot, I want to give you a picture, I want, I want you to, to see your own life in the light of what one, who One Chapel is and, and what God's calling our community to do and to be in the Austin region. And so uh, I want you to uh, read this passage with me, if, if you've been a church goer, this is probably a familiar passage, if not, if, if you haven't been a church goer, this is a this is a really awesome story about a guy named Peter who, uh, who did something pretty dramatic by getting out on the water and walking with Jesus. And so we're going to look at this passage here, so let's pray over it. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you bless the reading of your word? Would you cause it to be illuminated in our soul and in our hearts? Would you lead us and guide us? Would you help us to obey what you say to us individually? And Lord, would you just show us our part to play in this kingdom work of one chapel and and one chapel's part to play in this city of Austin where you're moving and and doing so many things well. We thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're going to start in verse 22. I want to to give you context. Jesus has just finished feeding 5,000 people. The feeding of the 5,000, he multiplied bread and fish. There was all these people out in a remote place, and they didn't have food, and they'd been with Jesus a long time, and they brought a a few uh, loaves of bread and a a couple fish, and Jesus prayed over, and it just multiplied to everybody. He did incredible miracles. Uh, during this season, and, and people just came from this miracle. The disciples then picked up a whole bunch of extra bread at the end of it, and we pick up the story right here in verse 22 of chapter 14 in Matthew, and it says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. I love this picture of Jesus because I think it means he was a a really good pastor. <laughs> if there ever was a really good pastor, it was Jesus. He didn't just uh, heal people and, and then leave them. He he did miracles among them, and then as he dismissed them, he cared for them as they left. He sent them home, he, he kind of walked with them, he talked, he talked with them likely. He probably maybe prayed over individuals. He had had conversations as people were leaving, but he insisted that the disciples get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. He had a a purpose in doing that. Something was happening here. Verse 23, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Jesus went up to a mountainside to pray because the scripture tells us in the gospels that Jesus never said anything or did anything that his father didn't say to do. He he said, I only say what my father says and I only do what my father is doing. And so he is is getting the source of the miraculous power is not himself. The source of the miraculous power of Jesus came from his father and from the work of the spirit in him. The the, the power that, that you and I get to tap into, we are not the source of it. There is another power at work among us. There is another authority at work in our lives and in our community. And it is God Himself, the Holy Spirit, the work of his presence in our lives, and Jesus himself who has made this possible for you and for me. And so so as 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 he as he keeps doing miracles, he's going up into a a lonely places, the Bible says, and he's praying. And and as he's praying, he sees the disciples out on the lake. Look at verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. And about three o'clock in the morning, another other translations might say the fourth watch, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Jesus also had personality. He was... He was walking on the water. I'm sure there were several ways he could have found them, but walking on the water was his choice or the Father's choice. And he comes in the night, in the middle of the night, and he's walking towards them. Look what happens to them. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! It's a ghost! I don't know what it is about ghosts, but historically, in humanity, I mean, these are ancient scriptures and people are still saying, it's a ghost. (laughs) Things they don't understand, it's a ghost. I wonder if you might think about something. Have you ever been afraid of something to do or to say? Or you were experiencing something, you were kind of afraid of it, but then later realized that it was jesus that's what the disciples are going through right now in this story they're they're afraid of something they don't, but they don't realize yes that it's jesus so often when we, when we become uh, nervous or anxious about things, we're, we're putting our focus and our attention on things that, that aren't Jesus, and so what happens is we become afraid of things, and Jesus is like behind it. He's going to do something pretty cool here, but if we let our fears drive us, we don't call out to Him, we might miss what He's trying to do. Here's what, here's what happened to the disciples. They cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I'm here. Another way to translate that brief passage would be, uh, he might have said, I am is here. I am is the name used for God throughout the scriptures. God himself is here. Jesus was saying, I am the author of provision is here. I am the protector is here. I am the deliverer is here. You don't have to be afraid of what you think you, you have to be afraid of. He's here. And then verse 28 says, Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, I love this scene. This is so great. So you imagine it. Look at the scene. The wind is blowing, it's howling. The waves are, are hitting the boat. The disciples are kind of freaking out. Oh my gosh, it's a ghost. Not only are we are in the ver- on the verge of dying in this storm, but there's a ghost who's tracking us. All I can think of is the princess bride. <laughs> Do you see somebody following us? I don't- inconceivable They're all they're all like they're all like freaking out and then Peter, you know, he's kind of the loudmouth of the group. He's kind of the guy that is always saying something, right? Whether it's good to say or not to say, he's always kind of the first to say it. And so the disciples are all in this boat and they're all kind of freaked out. And Peter says, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come. And I, in my mind, I see it in a movie form and the music is playing and everybody's going, oh my gosh. And suddenly he says, tell me to come. And they all go, What? This this is the way you want to prove that it's Jesus? <laughs> what is that? What are you doing? What are you thinking, Peter? But amazingly, Jesus answers Peter and says, Yes! Come on! Let's play! That was partially paraphrased there at the end. Jesus, Jesus said this. So Peter went over the side of the boat. I like this translation because it gives us a picture of probably how big the boat was. I, t- I tend to think that we take steps of faith sometimes, and we're like, we're like you know, like, like I saw the disciples in my mind. I see him in a little boat, and it's kind of about this deep or something, and they're all in there. And, and Peter kind of gets out, and he gets his foot out on the water, and he's like checking to see if it's going to work. And he's like trying to find his, his step. and he, I don't think that's what's happening. I think it was a big boat. I think he had to go over with both feet. I think he had to get over and he had to take a leap of faith. And suddenly there he was walking on water. Verse 30 says, but when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink But he did the very thing that you should always do if you're terrified and sinking. What is it? Save me, Lord. Cry out to the Lord. Say, save me. He shouted. Verse 31. Look at those words. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Everybody say, immediately. Immediately. There's something that Jesus does when we're willing to get out and risk. Right. There's something that happens, his nearness, his, his, his willingness to be right where we are and with us and to show us his power and reveal himself to us. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Jesus said, no, I don't think he was saying, you're such an idiot, Peter. What's wrong with you? I don't think he was saying that at all. What it, uh, and, we, and we tend to focus on, like, the word little. Like, you've got such tiny faith. Just take, out, take, the, take the little out of there and just, what if Jesus, you have such faith. You know, Jesus said in another place in the Gospels, everybody has a little seed of faith. In fact, if you just have a, a seed, like a tiny mustard seed of faith, you, you can move mountains. Right? It's the purity of that faith. But he's saying to Peter, look, you're, you're going to grow in your faith. You, you have little faith. Why, why are you doubting? In other words, I'm right here. You don't have to look at the wind and the waves. You don't have to be threatened by them. You're with me. Yeah, That's kind of how he's saying it. Right. right? He's not rebuking him. He's saying, here's the facts, Peter. Here's the truth, here's how life really works. What's happening is he's suspending, right? Like this is an amazing thing, in movies, you know when we go watch a movie, we suspend reality in our minds. I, don't, I went and watched Interstellar, it's one of my current favorite movies, right? Interstellar, have you ever seen it? It's incredible, you gotta, you gotta see it. it. The music in it is, is awesome, but everything in the movie is sort of based on a, a theory that isn't even really proven. Right? It's, just, it's something that, that we, we understand, but nobody's experienced it. And so it suspends reality. Here's what I think Jesus was doing with Peter. He was suspending the reality that Peter knew for the reality that was in Jesus. Peter was taking on suspension of his own reality on the, in this physical planet and experiencing another reality, a reality of Jesus, a reality of God's work. And his power. And today, that's what God wants for you and for me. He wants us to suspend the reality of our current experience and embrace his reality. What he's doing, his power, his work. Verse 32, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and then the disciples worshiped him. He said, you really are the son of God, they exclaimed. And you see that verse, and you kind of think, well, what happened to Peter? And he kind of of gets beaten up in these verses, right? Like, like, oh, he had such a little faith. Peter was the only one who got out of the boat, people. (laughs) he's He's the only one who had enough faith to jump with both feet. And so I think there's, there's a lesson here for our church. There's a lesson here for our, our own individual lives. And I want you to see it. I, I think you've got to, at some point, you've got to stop being afraid, right, of what you see and call out to Jesus. Let, let him call out to you and hear his voice no matter what you're afraid of. Stop being afraid. I remember when I was afraid of planting one chapel in 2009 and ramping up into 2010, I had a, a, a career. I had a, a great position at a great church. I, 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 God had done a lot of stuff in me and a lot of stuff in that church that I, there was it was hard to leave in some ways. And I kept talking to the people around me, my friends and, and, and pastors on our team, and I would say, I, so the, the conversation would go something like this. Now, I think this is what God wants me to do. And I am I like I have a certain peace in my soul about it, but every couple of days I think, am I nuts? Because I'm gonna go to Austin and there's nothing there. Except Great Queso. <laughs> there's some other things. But there, but, but there's, there's there's nothing there that I see coming and I am a af- I am afraid of this. But at some point, you have to stop being afraid and you have to take courage because Jesus is with you. And so I jumped. I stepped out of the boat. And I want you to to look around one more time and see the miracle of Jesus himself right here among us. Story after story. Person after person. Families, marriages, marriages kids, people whose lives are changing because Jesus met them at one chapel. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than seeing God create something out of nothing. And that's what I think we have to get in touch with. So if you're... If you're wondering if you should take the first step, the answer is yes. And then you take the first step. And then if you, if you fail, if you fall, if you get distracted by the wind and the waves, guess what you should do? You should call out to Jesus, ask for his help. Here's what so many Christians do. They come to Christ and then things kind of go wonky. It's a spiritual term, wonky. It doesn't all work out like they think it should, and they feel like they failed. And then, what happens? Oh, I'm just—I'm no good. This is dumb. This is ridiculous. God hates me. This—here's here's the lie of the enemy. None of this is real. That's a lie. It's a lie of the enemy, and he wants to destroy you. The thing to do when you fail is cry out to him. The thing to do when you fall is look for him. Because what the scripture says is immediately he reached out. And, and part of the problem for us is we, we don't call out to him. We don't take risks like Peter took. We don't live our lives on the edge looking for where Jesus is and what he's doing. And so we don't experience the, we don't experience the immediately of Jesus himself. I think he wants us to experience that. The cost for the reward of faith is always risk. The cost for the reward of faith is always risk. So, so one chapel, here's what I want to say to you. Uh, there is nothing that's changed my life more than living with you the past five years. We're creeping up on our five-year anniversary. Can you believe that? Five years in, has been an incredible journey. And there have been really incredible, exhilarating times. And then there have been perplexing times. And, and as, we, as we come to this five year anniversary, I, I, something's been stirring in my soul the last six months, the last year. And you hear it come out every once in a while. I mean, you are a miracle of God to me, but I, I know we're not done. I know this isn't it. We're not finished. We're not at the end just getting started we're just getting started and so it is with great confidence in the grace of Jesus himself and his work in people who decide to take risks like you that I want to I want to give you a picture of what the next 10 years are like and I remember as I was praying this through several weeks ago and I was wrestling and and I heard God say to me well what do you want it to look like in 10 years and I was like, oh, uh, I want it to look like what you want it to look like. <laughs> right? Like, I don't want it to look like what I want it to look like. And he's like, yeah, but you're you. I know, deep, profound. It was like, yes. But I'm working with you. And I could tell that the Holy Spirit was birthing something in me that had been making me miserable over the last six to nine months. And it is a risk. That I think we have to take. And so I want, I want to say to you. That what, what I think Jesus is pleased with. As we've prayed about it with trustees and elders and, and, and leaders. That it seemed. Uh, Acts 15.28 says. It seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. To look 10 years down the road. And see in the Austin region. 10 communities in 10 years. 10 communities. Sunday morning expressions of worship, but ten communities within neighborhoods all over the region of Austin, functioning as its own its own community, but also part of a larger and greater family of churches called One Chapel. And here's how we're going to do it: if you look at if you look at um, your kind of first uh, language there under ten in ten. You'll see what I mean by it a context-sensitive missional movement of related, collaborative, and coordinated churches. Here's what I want to tell you. They won't all look alike. Just I've had, I have five kids, and each time we had a kid, I expected the same gene pool to produce the same look and the same personality, and much to my disappointment, 'Cause every time you have another different one you gotta become a better parent. Cause it's not you can't use all the stuff you used on the first ones. <laughs> you gotta learn new things. And I think this is the way Jesus works anyway. It's like we wanna get it down to a science and get down to a you know, wait up alright, this is it. This is how it works. Certainly there are principles, but when you're talking about an organic experience with a community of people, just like a family, you're going to have different ones, different experiences, and those different experiences are going to combine themselves so that the whole family learns and grows in how to reach the city of Austin. That's why it's context sensitive. It's, It's relational. It's collaborative. It's coordinated. It's churches sharing resources and strategies to reach the entire region of Austin. All the experts say that one of the best ways to mobilize believers—in other words, people that kind of sit in in churches—they or or there's a whole new group called the Duns, and they're just like, "I'm done with church. I'm just going to love Jesus myself." You know, it's like everybody loves God, nobody likes his family. What's up with that? (laughs) But in Austin, we're going to have to be strategic as we move forward. We're going to have to be more creative. I don't know if you remember this. We went to Westlake Performing Arts Center in our, uh, like our third year. How many people were at Westlake Performing Arts Center with us? All right. Yeah, a whole bunch of you. So you remember that. And I remember our first Sunday, I had like a third of you came up to me after church and went, I don't belong to a mega church. I don't want to go to a big church. It was there that I realized in Austin is a, and I think in our country in general is a resistance to anything that's overly centralized, overly produced, or overly programmed. I don't know if you realize this, but Austin is kind of an anti-franchise capital. (laughs) I mean, everything (laughs) everything in Austin, we want it to be original and we want it to be cool and we want it to be hip. (laughs) That has repercussions on the body of Christ and how we're supposed to function. Now, I want you to think about our namesake, One Chapel. I had no idea Jesus was going to do this to us. One Chapel. Jesus' prayer in John 17, you know what he said? He said, Father, make them one. Make them one like you and I are one. That's a closeness that I don't think any of us truly understand until we realize Jesus gave a reason for it. Right? He says no, he didn't just say because unity is nice. But the power of diversity coming together in unity is an expression of love and faith that this world is longing for. We live in a cynical world, skeptical world, a, a, a world that is, that is polarized to extremes. And they don't get to see people coming together very often. And Jesus was praying if they'll just be able to be one like you and I are one then the world will believe that Jesus was sent. The world will believe that you sent me is what he said. <laughs> when we went to Westlake and it didn't work like I wanted it to or well I thought it should, how I thought it should work. Way back then I said I think we're going to do multi-sites of some some way but oh, I was afraid to do it. I, I, I only know a method of ministry that I came from that kind of goes like this, build it and they will come. <laughs> I've had to learn over the last five years what the soil of Austin's really like and, and what we're really up against as we go forward in sharing Jesus with a culture that is skeptical and cynical of us, that sees a caricature of us, that we're going to have to go where they are before we expect them to come to us. And so at Westlake, it, was, it wasn't working like I wanted it to, and I was like, during one point I was like scared, right? Like I, like I had the, the thing with all the disciples in the boat. I was like scared. Oh, Jesus, where are you? There's a ghost. <laughs> He's doing curses on us. There's something, something's not working. And I thought for a while I had killed the church. <laughs> I killed it by moving it to a, really rich part of town with a $17 million sound system. (laughs) How does that work? (sighs) Right? I... And then, of course, now as I look back and I look and I see the, the journey we've been on, what I now believe is it was a necessary step in our journey and our process of learning what Austin really looks like and, and what God wants to do with us and the, the discomfort some of us felt there and, and the, the, listen, Westlake needs to be reached and there's some people who are trying real hard and maybe one chapel someday will get another chance. Jesus is the one who builds his church. No man can kill it. (laughs) Thank God. And and so Jesus builds his church, but he tells you and me to make disciples. That's what we have to put our head down and do. And that means you you and I have to be in community where we own the neighborhood, where we're willing to put our roots down and say yes to what Jesus is asking us to do. And so I think that's where we're headed. Um, Every every expert, I already said this, but I want to say this again. You see it down there. Every expert says that statistically the best way to mobilize believers, serve communities and neighborhoods, and actively share the gospel with people who really don't even have a clue about the story, one of the best ways to do that, that that makes things happen is to start a new church. So in 10 years, we're going to start 10 of them. And and I don't don't know if Jesus gives us grace, we'll do more. If we don't quite make it, we'll take a little longer. That's okay. He is working with flawed individuals. Even Jesus was 11 out of 12. Just kidding. Just kidding. Look, look, here's what I want to say. I'm totally kidding about that Jesus thing. Yeah, he was perfect in every way. This vision is not about numbers. This vision is about people. This vision is about Jesus breaking our heart for what's going on all around the region of Austin and being willing to be part of it. We have to look at what Jesus has given us and be faithful to the soil of our city, the soil we live on. This fall, we're going to talk about loving our neighbors really well. And we're going to take ownership there first but we have to willing, be willing to walk through the danger and the unknown risks and experience the miraculous provision of taking those risks and God's immediacy of help. So we're going to start in Kyle. We're going to start in Kyle. <laughs> we're going to start in Kyle, Texas. So the first, th- first one we're going to do is One Chapel, Kyle. And um, we had a lot of prayer and discussion about... What we should do because we, we felt like dripping and Kyle were the two places that we felt like were the next steps, and so we didn't know which one was gonna happen first. But as we prayed over it and walked through the process for about a year, we've been knocking on doors in both communities and trying to figure it out. And, and one, uh, one big thing happened in Kyle, and that is we got a fantastic place to be. And so uh, we'll start in January of 2016, on the 24th of January, we will start our first Sunday morning community in Kyle, Texas, between Buda and Kyle, in the Buda-Kyle area at Evo Entertainment. If you know, if you know what Evo Entertainment is it, is, it is like this brand new movie theater. We started in a movie theater. Oh. We started in a movie theater, but it's a bowling alley, an arcade, and a restaurant all in one building it 's like the best church that 's ever been built <laughs> and, and and we didn 't have to pay for any of it <laughs> so there 's a thing there that God I think will allow us to do we 've developed a great relationship with them and there's there's a there 's a journey there and we 're so we 're headed there and um and we are going to be a uh, it, is, it will be a multi-site model, but I want you to understand that it's, it's us as a family having kids. So we, we, we will all belong to each other. And so we're going to work real hard to serve that Kyle community here in Austin. And, uh, and a bunch of you are going to go there. In fact, as we looked it up, 126 households are connected to one chapel in some way in the Buda-Kyle area already. We already have a group there. It'll take about $100,000 to do each new community. That's about what it costs to reproduce everything that we have here uh, in terms of um, of, of um, sound equipment and all the s- screens and projectors and all the kids' stuff that's in every kid's room. We have to have two of everything, right? Two. That's what We, we adopted a motto in our family for a while as we had little kids, and that was two or three of everything. Stop the screaming, stop the fighting, stop the selfishness. That's kind of where where we're going to land two, three of everything. But here's the thing we're going to help each other grow and learn, and we're going to have to share things. We're going to have to share certain things between us, but that's going to make us better people. It's going to make us a better community and a better family. And so, I want, you to, I want you to think about how important it is for you you and I to be generous and to be givers because it's going to help determine how all that translates. And I still believe if everybody just makes their peace with, with just being a tither, we don't ever have a need that anybody, that anybody has that we can't meet. If everybody ties, we can buy any building, we can do any work, we can do anything in this region. That's how it works. That's how God designed it. And tithing is this thing, and I don't want to get off too much on this, but it is the, all it is is a practical mechanism to keep money and materialism from gripping our hearts. That's, right. That's all it is. Yeah. It's nothing more than that. It's not law. It's love. Come on. Yes. Anyway, there it is. I didn't even have that written down. I just came for free. <laughs> it will also be a live, I mean, a live worship, and also a live band and a live speaker. We'll use video sparingly when we want to share together. But I believe that God called me to raise up pastors, to raise up young men and women who will serve the body of Christ. I think God God wired me to raise up and empower and equip and release worship leaders, youth pastors, children's pastors. I think that's what we're supposed to do. That was the vision behind one college. And don't be surprised if one college comes back into existence right. in a new way. Because I, I, think that, I think this is what God is trying to breathe into us. Uh, Kyle is one of the fastest growing zip codes in America right now. There's 60,000 people a year is what's estimated to move to the Austin region over the next few years. 60,000 people and tons of them are going to Kyle because there's cheap ho- or they're not it's not cheap it's less expensive housing <laughs> it's all relative people <laughs> it's less expensive than austin and people are moving there and there's there's if you look at the landscape of austin the entire region part of where this vision came from is it came from the fact that we have 4.7 churches per 10,000 people churches per 10,000. That's the average. The national average is 12 churches per 10,000 for a city. We're way behind. There are good churches here, but there are not enough. And even if we keep pace with 10 in 10 years, that will just keep us even with where we are now because people are moving in. I'm telling you, God's up to something. And if we'll get out of the boat and take some risks... And be willing to do something that's not maybe in our wheelhouse. Maybe we don't know exactly how it's all going to turn out or it's all supposed to work. That Jesus will do something amazing. There's, there's a whole Latino population, 53%. Uh, if, if It's a, an amazing thing. So we're going to have a, a major outreach to the Latino community. Uh, there's... The, there's all these things that God's going to birth in our hearts because we're willing to take the risk. First interest meetings on September 20th is right there in your notes. Sunday night, 6 p.m. We don't have the place nailed down yet, but, but we will. I'll make sure that you know it. First interest meeting, Sunday night, September 20th. And as God gives us the grace in 10 years, here's what we'll see. We'll have 10 pastors sitting around one table with a common vision with, with sharing of resources and strategies influencing the entire region of Austin. It will be. Our name is currently going to change to one chapel a family of neighborhood churches. A family of neighborhood churches. We got to go. We have to go. <laughs> we have to be willing. <laughs> and in fact, here's what, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm betting on. That staying is the new going. In other words, I don't want you to leave Kyle to come to church here. I want you to go to church in Kyle. <laughs> And I want you to stay where you live, and I want you to own the ground that you live on and that you sleep on and the streets you walk every day. And I want to see Jesus do something in every community in our city. And we won't, we're not the only ones. A bunch of other people are going to do the same thing. A bunch of other churches are going to, you're going to see a tidal wave, and it's something Jesus is doing. And so I want you to join me. I want you to, I, hey, 21 days of prayer just got real for me. <laughs> right? I, like all week I've been praying about this. I'm like, oh God, we need you. We, we seek you like never before and we got to jump. Teams. Hey, some of the teams, some of you haven't been on a team. It's time for you to get on a team. A whole bunch of you are going to go be on the team at Kyle and you're going to take a position there and serve people and that'll leave a bunch of holes here. That means we need tons of people to join our teams. Groups need to be more intentional than ever before. Groups need to be populated within our neighborhoods and in our communities like never before. That's why we're starting Catalyst, a discipleship primer, what's priming us to all get on the same page in discipleship and make sure that we're walking and developing leaders that we're on a journey with people in their faith. And we're really getting down to the nitty-gritty. If you're a person that needs to grow in Jesus and you need to spiritually grow some more, Catalyst is the place for you. If you're a leader that wants to be involved in that, I want you to go to the table right now, right after we uh, have this, uh, finish the service. There's a table there and Pastor Russ Walker will be there to talk about it. And so here's what I want you to, last thing I'll say, the rewards that we're talking about, the rewards for the risks of faith are not just about God's help. It's not just about the immediacy of his help. The reward for the risk is getting his heart for other people in us like never before. It's the reward for his suffering are people's lives. And, that's, and, and we have to get in touch with that in a greater measure to do this. And so I want you to close your eyes and I want you to bow your heads and we're going we're gonna to come to the Lord's table. And I want you to just, I want you to just let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now. The band's going to come forward. And we're going to take just a few moments. And I want you to think about what Jesus might be asking you to do. Asking you to get out of the boat asking you to take a risk, asking you to be willing to go, be willing to to move towards him like Peter did. What does that look like for you? What does that mean for you? For some of you, this this means becoming closer to Jesus than, than you've ever been before. And you hear him drawing you. And I want you to come to this table. Come to the table of the Lord for his provision. He wants to get his heart inside of us. The bread represents his body broken for us so that we could be healed, so that we could be whole. The cup represents the blood of Jesus that is spilled for us, for our forgiveness, for our shame and our sin. And and you can receive that today. And I want you to take it and receive it. Every mistake, every failure, every foolishness in your life, surrendered at the feet of Jesus. As we come to the Lord's table, see it as your provision. See it as Him huh, finding His place in His way in you. Father, we come now. During these moments, would you speak to each one of us? Would you convict us of our sinfulness and would you and selfishness and would you? Would you open up our hearts and minds to what you're trying to say to each of us individually to make sure that there's a light and a lamp burning strong in our lives. Lord, would you heal people as they come to this table? Would you come and break our hearts for what you're doing? Lord, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.